You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we are continuing our season previews for every player on the Mets, and we are going to discuss Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. In the first segment, I'll go through the Fangrass projections on Mark Canna, what Mets fans can expect for him this season. Then I'll do the same thing in the second segment with Eduardo Escobar. And then lastly, in the final segment, I'll talk a little bit about both of their fits on this Mets team defensively. Are they going to be upgrades or downgrades in that department? But I also want to compare these two additions to two players who played huge roles on the Mets last year in Kevin Pillar and Jonathan Villar and why I believe Escobar and Canna are going to be a really big upgrade for the 2022 Mets. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. All right, so over the past couple of weeks, we've been doing these setting expectation shows as I've gone through the fangrass projections for each player on the Mets And I will give you not only what the projection models are telling us, but my take on what the Mets can expect from some of the players that will be featured on the 2022 roster. So today we're going to begin here with Mark Canna. And when you look at Mark Canna's career, he is a 244 hitter, 344 on base percentage, 431 slugging percentage. For his career, his WRC plus is 116. Again, that is way to runs created plus measuring hitters based on a league average of 100. So he has been 16% better than your league average hitter across his career. He's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. And if you throw out the 2020 season, he has hit 17 home runs or more in each of his last three full years. So he does give you a little bit of pop, but really we're talking about on-base percentage with Mark Canna. That is why the Mets got him. He is just another player that can... Be like your Brandon Nimmo's or your Starling Marte's. The entire outfield is going to get on base. They're going to set the table for some of the power hitters like a Pete Alonso, like Francisco Lindor, like Eduardo Escobar, who we'll talk about a bit in the next segment. If you go through the Fangrass projection models, again, there's seven of them for position players, and it gives you just a consensus of you know what to expect from a player heading into the season. You know, if you have a, a pitcher like Carlos Carrasco, you know, a past podcast that we did here, you would look at, and see the wide varying degrees when it comes to starts um, and, and innings pitch because there's that big concern when it comes to injuries. You don't have that with Mark Canna. So if you look at games played, the projection models have them between 131 and 137 games. Now, I don't think that is necessarily uh, due to injuries that he would miss, you know, 25 some odd games. So more to the fact that, you know, you're going to have depending on the roster, a Jeff McNeil in the outfield for a game or a Dominic Smith, or maybe it's a Khalil Lee or a Nick Plummer. There's other outfielders that could get some at-bats, but generally 
Mark Canna is going to be out there, you know, four out of every five days at least. Uh, the projection models have him all but one at least, getting at least 570 plate appearances. So he's going to be a, a fixture in this lineup. I actually really think uh, with the addition of the Universal DH and just considering the depth of this team and really how they can lengthen out this lineup, I would not be surprised at all if Mark Canna might bat ninth, not because he is the worst hitter in this lineup, but more so because he can get on base at that great clip, giving you that you know second leadoff hitter at the bottom of the lineup to turn things over. I think that makes a lot of sense. When it comes to the stats that they're projecting, batting average between 233 and 243, which is you know in line with what he's done throughout his career, on base percentage between 348 and 356. Again, right on line with that career 344 on base percentage. Uh, his slugging percentage between 403 and 418. A little bit below his career numbers, but we'll see what happens there. And then you have his WRC plus projected between 110 and 118. And all the home run models were actually pretty favorable to him between 18 and 20 home runs. So basically a guy that, you know, if he gets hot, can hit 20 home runs for you, maybe even more than that, gets on base at a 350 kit clip um, and gives you decent defense in the outfield. Just, just a solid player. If you look at, uh, his the illustrator at Baseball Savant for his spray chart, right? And you look at the balls that he hit in that massive ballpark in Oakland. And if you were to just take all of his batted ball events and put them in City Field last year, the interesting thing that I was able to pick up on is he might have an additional 11 home runs just based on where those balls ended up. Now, that does not mean that he's going to have 10 more home runs or he would have definitely had 10 more home runs if he had been a Met last year, because you have road games, a bunch of different ballparks, you know, where you hit a ball in Boston might not go out because of, you know, it's hitting on such a line. It might've just gone off the monster where it might've got out of city field. So there's no way to know exactly what he would have done. But the bottom line is there could be a certain uptick in power for sure. When it comes to the home run numbers, now that he's going to be out of the Coliseum. When you look at his career since 2018, when he really did establish himself, he has a 366 on base percentage. That is the 16th best mark among outfielders. His WRC plus of 126 since 2018 is an outstanding mark that is tied with some really impressive names. Nick Castellanos, Cattell Marte, and Jeff McNeil for the 15th best mark among all outfielders. You go to his F4 at 10.4. That is the 18th best mark since 2018. And interestingly enough, both his F4 and his WRC plus are better than Michael Conforto's since 2018. Now, if you ask me right now who I'd rather have next season, you know, Michael Conforto or Mark Canna, I'd still take Conforto. But when you talk about a Conforto replacement, he really isn't the biggest of steps back. And then you add in the fact that you also added Starling Marte, who's really the Conforto replacement. And instead, what you have with Mark Canna is more insurance for Brandon Nimmo, who seems to get hurt every year, and also an upgrade over a Dominic Smith, who was in the starting lineup a lot last year in left field, as well as Kevin Pillar, who got a ton of at-bats out in the outfield and was just not a major league hitter last year. He just wasn't. Now, I want to talk about that a little bit more when we bring in the Eduardo Escobar part of this conversation and also compare the two of them to Pilar and VR who played significant roles last year. I think they're just great upgrades, and we're going to get to that. But first, we have to go through Eduardo Escobar's projections for next season, 
What can the Mets expect out of their new starting third baseman? I'll talk about that in just a minute. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so if we look at Eduardo Escobar's career numbers, he's a 256 hitter, 309 on-base percentage, 436 slugging percentage. Last year, better numbers than his career line, a 253 average, a 314 on-base percentage, which is about where that career mark is at. But then he gets to the slugging percentage and a big difference there at 472. He had 28 home runs last season and a 107 WRC+, plus, so 7% better than your league average hitter. Uh, He's not this incredible force, but what he's going to do for the Mets is he's going to give them some more pop, which they desperately need to have another home run threat alongside Pete Alonso. Again, uh, we'll talk about the VR comparison a little bit more in a minute here, but uh, you know, he's a a more reliable power source than a Jonathan VR. Also, if you look at, you know, F war over his last three full seasons, Eduardo Escobar has posted an F war over three each year. Jonathan VR has only done that once in his career. And last season, when he had a really good year with the Mets, his F4 was 2.1. The one year where Jonathan VR did have the F4 over three, it was that year where he was leading off every single game for the Baltimore Orioles, just racking up stats on a bad team. I'm not trying to knock Jonathan VR. He is my guy for all you longtime Locked On Mets listeners. You know, I love Jonathan VR for this great magical season we just enjoyed. But Eduardo Escobar has been a better player throughout his career. Now, if you go to the projection models for Eduardo Escobar in the 2022 season that Fangrass has, uh, it is at 138 to 141 games played, pretty much close to what they are projecting for Mark Canna. Again, these are guys that are going to get a lot of time, but I wouldn't call them every single day players. They're going to play most days. Um, and will play appearances between 566 and 595. You look at some of the stats between a 240 and a 247 average on base percentage between 301 and 308. Not going to get on base a ton again, but the slugging percentage between 429 and 465 and the home runs between 22 and 28 RBIs between 74 and 86. I'm not exactly sure where they're going to bat Eduardo Escobar. I haven't thought about his place too much, but I would imagine he is going to be that extra little thump that they might add to the end of the lineup somewhere, maybe seventh, um, depending on you know who's starting at catcher. I, I could see maybe your 7, 8, 9 being Escobar, McCann, and Canna. Um, again, with Canna really being that other table setter to get into the top air lineup. And then you're just kind of hoping that Escobar and McCann can run into some home runs, particularly Escobar. But the bottom line here is that is what the Mets signed this guy for since 2017. He's hit at least 20 home runs in every full season. So he goes out, he gets those long balls that you want. 
He had 35 home runs in 2019, which was the juice ball year. But once again, comparison to a Michael Conforto, just when it comes to what you're losing in the power department, they have hit the exact same amount of home runs since 2017 at 111. The bottom line here, when it comes to Eduardo Escobar, along with the pop, the Mets signed a, a presence in that clubhouse. A- another way we can compare him to VR, Jonathan VR carries the reputation of being a bad clubhouse guy. I, I don't think we heard a ton of that last season. I don't want to put that on him for, for what happened with the Mets last year and whatever breakdown there might have been in the clubhouse. I'm not saying that is all VR's fault um, or that he even contributed to that. But he did carry that reputation as opposed to Escobar, who is widely regarded as a great teammate. When Starling Marte was talking about you know, why he signed with the Mets, he did mention Eduardo Escobar and, and the relationship they had had, just being excited about getting to play with him again. And they only played together for a really short window during that 2020 season when you know Marte had half of a 60-game season with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Throughout his career, particularly with the Diamondbacks, Escobar has been heralded as a leader, and so he's going to come in and command a lot of respect in that clubhouse. And I think that is a huge reason why the Mets signed him. When you're just looking at those two guys, Jonathan Villar and Eduardo Escobar, what you're getting with Escobar is a completely different presence in that locker room, and you're also going to get a little bit more pop along with that. The question is, how much of a liability is he defensively? Also, Mark Canna getting a little bit older in the tooth as well. Can those guys hold up on that side of the ball? And what is you know, their difference in ceiling or even in floor as compared to some of the players that were featured significantly on the Mets last year? Jonathan VR, we've talked about a bunch already, and also Kevin Pillar. I'm going to get to all of that in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And that, of course, is Built Bar, which has just been such a big part of my diet, trying to stay healthy. I love the new puffs as well. Just gives me an additional snack along with the traditional built bars that I can go to when I want something a little bit sweet that comes covered in 100% real chocolate, but is also healthy for me. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallows. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they come in some amazing flavors like the cinnamon churro or the banana cream pie, which are both delicious. When it comes to built bars, there's the mint brownie, the coconut. Coconut almond, my personal favorite, the cookies and cream. All of them are delicious. All of them, again, come covered in that 100% real chocolate. They're low in calories. They're high in protein. If you want to try Built Bars today, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. And you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning while that person behind the counter is just searching for your auto part online and only maybe offering the brand that their warehouse might carry, which could be more expensive when instead you can go to rockout.com where you might save 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same amount of parts you get at that chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving auto parts to do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are a lie below for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliable low prices 
all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Thanks for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. For your second listen, you should check out Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by Lindsey Crosby, who is a prospect encyclopedia. He's also been doing great stuff when it comes to the MLB lockout. So make sure you tune into Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get podcasts. All right, so let's now talk about the defensive side of things where these guys don't necessarily shine. Mark Canna, a little bit more than Eduardo Escobar, but I would not look at either of them as stellar defenders. When you look at Eduardo Escobar, uh, he posted minus five defensive runs saved at third base in 2019, plus four defensive runs saved in 2018, plus one in 2019. He was at zero in 2020, and then minus three this past season. And that is the position that he's primarily played throughout his career. Has nearly 5,000 career innings at third base. Has actually 2,000 and nearly, or actually over, excuse me, 2,500 innings at shortstop. Second base, he still doesn't even have 1,000 career innings. It's at 906. So, you know, he might play a fair amount of second base this year if the Mets were to make another addition, particularly. Let's just say they went out and signed Chris Bryant, which has still been in the rumor mill. He's going to play a lot of second base where he has not really spent too much of his career. Um, that is not necessarily a good thing. He's definitely better at third. And I would look at the Mets infield defense with Bryant at third, where he's been really bad recently. Escobar at second, where he's bad. You know, Pete Alonso would be solid still. Um, I still think he's above average. I said on the show last week that he's a top 10 defensive first baseman. But is he going to overcome the shortcomings of playing next to a you know, 33-year-old Eduardo Escobar at second base? And that's tough to ask for Pete, and then Lindor's got to cover up a lot of ground. That's why I don't love Chris Bryant as a signing. I've already talked about that a bunch, but I look at the Mets' infield defense. If it was Jeff McNeil every day at second base, I think he is a much you know superior defender to Bryant or to Escobar at that position. That's going to make the Mets better defensively all the way around. But uh, overall, what Escobar is going to do for you is going to give you a little bit of versatility, being able to play third and second, uh, even play first base in a pinch. If Pete Alonso were to go down or to, you know, want to get some at bats at DH if the Mets wanted to go that way, but he's not going to be great there. And I also think there is a, a situation where we could see Escobar get a good amount of bats at DH as well, depending on who else you have on your roster, how things shake out. You know, let's just say that the Mets decide to give Louis Guillaume a run at second and really improve that defense. If, even if that's just a game a week or whatever it is, and move Jeff McNeil over to third, that's an option. If Mark Vientos comes up and is surprising with the glove at third base, maybe he gets some run there. If Brett Beatty has an amazing season and by the end of the year, here's your third baseman, there's different ways where we could see Escobar moved off to a DH spot, even if they were to get a Chris Bryant potentially. Um, and they went down that road. Jeff McNeil could be the second baseman and Escobar could DH. So, uh, again, he gives you some versatility, but he's not a good defender. Um, and overall, the reason why he's signed again is because he's a clubhouse presence and because he's going to hit you a pretty good amount of home runs. You go to Mark Canna, and there's some you know, upside there, some hope that he can still be an above-average defensive outfielder. Last year, he was in the 74th percentile when it comes to outs above average. He was worth two outs above average. His sprint speed was in the 68th percentile, but he does not get great jumps. He was in the 38th percentile when it came to outfielder jump. And if you go to defensive run saved, 
another metric and you look at what he did out in left field, it was minus 10 defensive runs saved, which was, you know, worse than Dominic Smith, who posted minus five defensive runs saved last season. With that said, just looking at that comp right there, Canna to Dom, the difference is Mark Canna is an outfielder. That's the difference. I mean, Dominic Smith has done a great job turning himself into a capable outfielder, but he's still an infielder by trade. That's where he came up as a first baseman. Mark Canna has been an outfielder, so I think that alone makes him an upgrade over Dom out there. And I still believe that, you know, the, the Mets outfield defense as a whole uh, gets better with Starling Marte being added into the fold. So I, I look at Marte, Nimmo, and Canna, and I think the Mets have a well above average defense out there. With that said, here is the, the final part of this show today that I wanted to discuss, which is the upgrade the Mets just made by getting Escobar and Canna compared to last season where we saw Kevin Pillar and Jonathan VR in the lineup most days. If that is how things shake out where those guys basically replace those at-bats, your team just got a lot better because Kevin Pillar last season had a 277 on base percentage. Mark Canna was at 358. So right there, you're talking about more traffic on the bases and just a more dangerous lineup. And then when it comes to driving in a Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar again had 28 home runs last season and 599 plate appearances. Jonathan VR had 18 and 505. So there is more power with Escobar than you got with VR. And you're just getting an incredibly better hitter um, when you're comparing Canna to Pilar. There really is no comparison there. Kevin Pilar. I'm sorry, great dude, great leader, all that good stuff that you want to say in the front end. Bad hitter. He's just not a good hitter anymore. Um, and the Mets lineup gets a lot better with that in a minute. And that's just that's just the truth. And so you look at these two additions, and I think the question then becomes, where do the Mets go from here once we get back into the shortened, abbreviated week of an offseason we'll probably have before a spring training eventually starts whenever this lockout could potentially end here? Um, and what other additions the Mets have to make? I, I, I've said this so many times. They added three starters to the lineup. They added three starters. with Canna, Escobar, and Marte. And one night, they added three starting players. Most teams couldn't dream of that in one offseason. So if the Mets do not make any other additions, I think the lineup is fine. I, I do. I, I think that there would still potentially be um, – you know, maybe a desire midseason to make a move if one of these players did not live up to their potential or if they, you know, started to fall off a bit or someone got hurt. But if you go into camp right now with what the Mets have with a player like Mark Vientos who's on the door, also a couple others in Khalil Lee and Nick Plummer who are very close as well, and even the, the looming uh, of a Brett Beatty down the road, likely not this season, but I wouldn't rule it out entirely. I just think the Mets are in a pretty good spot. Maybe they do make one or two more additions, um, and there is still some free agents that are enticing. But overall, this team is in pretty good shape right now, and a lot of that is due to the signings of Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. If we don't have any news, I will be doing another preview episode tomorrow, and we'll be looking at Jeff McNeil's season I really think McNeil's due for a, a big bounce back, and I'll explain why tomorrow. As always, thank you for listening. 
Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. Sully's going to give you a great breakdown of the past and present of Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.